You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. What is happening? It's on the You're listening to the AME Radio Show. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm so glad that you're able to join us. It is officially the weekend, and we're kicking it off with the AME Radio Show. So just sit back, relax, and let's talk about everything art, music, and entertainment for the next hour, and have a good time doing it. And, of course, I want to be able to hear what you guys have done. I want to know what artwork you guys are doing, and I want to get it out to the world. So if you have something that you're doing, hit us up on our website. It's www.theamemagazine.com. You can check out what the Amy Experience is. It is the radio, television, and magazine all in one spot. And there's a lot of stories up there to get you inspired. And if you've missed any of our guests on the radio show or if you want to see who we have coming up there, just go to our website. But also, hit us up with what you're doing because I may be able to get you on our show. That's what this whole thing is. It's a platform for you, not just established celebrities, but the rising stars of tomorrow as well. Also, check us out on our website, on our social media websites, which is Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash the AME experience, and Twitter, which is at Dowd Studios. I'm trying to learn Instagram, but I'm not 100% sure how to make this work yet. But if you want to check me out there, it is you can just search my name, Jason Dowd, D-O-W-D, or Dowd Studios, and I'll pop up. So our guests today are two very exciting guests. And actually, they're doing two different things, which is so fun. I get, to, I get to expand the horizons today. Our first one is Kennedy. She is a pop artist, singer-songwriter, actress, and model. She comes from Sweden. She's got a lot going on. And she's going to be actually dropping her new EP here. They're hoping towards the end of summer and early fall. So we got one of their songs coming up. She's going to be talking to us about her passion her love for music, her love for acting, her love for being a model. And then we're going to be talking to Ted McGrath. Now, he is the producer and actor in a one-man play called Good Enough. It's a true life story of his story and the disappointments he had early on in his life, which led to some bad choices, which led to a revelation. Now, whether that revelation took him out of it or brought him further into it, I'm going to let him tell you that because it's a fascinating story. And it brings me it brings up a concept for me that I realized that art helped him. And even though it's very sensitive stuff that he's talking about, he's willing to do it because of the fact that he's hoping it will change other people's lives. Just like most artists do, they want to create the story. But also, it's helping him get off his chest what happened to him and maybe change your life as well as his in the process. Now, he could have gone down and gotten completely depressed isolate himself away from the world, and just be prepared to die. I could do the same thing, and I'll tell you why I could do the same thing. The reason is is that I was diagnosed in 2014 with having MS. Now, what a horrible thing to have to go through. But I realized that art helped me break that cycle. I didn't want to sit around and be depressed. And I realized that there's so many things out there to do and go and see. This is what's so important. We don't we don't go do things. We don't find things. You don't have to spend money to learn and explore. All you have to do is have a little creativity. And that's what I've been doing. I've been, like 
Last week, I went a couple weeks ago, I went ziplining for the first time, had an amazing experience. And then this weekend, I went to Disney, one of my favorite places, and I got to experience a brand new ride. That's right. I went to Pandora. And so that got me really pumped up and excited. I'm, I cannot wait to be able to talk to you about it. But it also inspired me to do other things. So get out there in the world. Stop feeling sorry for yourself if you can. And realize that when you get out there and try new things, you will open up your horizons and your whole mood will feel better. And do it with friends. It's, that's, even, that's even more special. Okay, guys. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Kennedy. After Kennedy, I'm going to be talking to you about Pandora. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Do you love horror? The strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird. <laughs> Hi, this is Dina Martin, and you're listening to my new album, Swing Street. You can get it at dinamartin.com, Amazon, of course, any place where you can get a digital download. Go on to iTunes, but I know you're going to love it. And thank you for listening to me on the radio. This is Andrea Tantaros from the Fox News Channel and author of the new bestseller, Tied Up the Knots. You're listening to AME Radio. Hey everybody, we have Kennedy on the line, and she is a model, an actor, and she's from Sweden, but she just recently crossed over into music, and we have her single coming up here called Move Me, so welcome to the show, Kennedy. Thank you so much. So this is a lot of fun. It looks like you got a gorgeous day out there, which is really nice. It's been raining over here. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. It's super hot, though. <laughs> <laughs> So you came over, you started off as an actor as an actor and a model. Which one came first? Was it modeling or acting? Well, I would say starting off with modeling when I was a kid, doing a lot of commercials and this kind of stuff, everything that my mom wanted me to do. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then I got into theater, and I continued doing that for a while. Then I just did theater and acting for a long while, and then I started to do modeling again. And then I just did both equally, I would say. <laughs> so did you get to do a lot of, like, um, uh, I don't know, like uh, pageants and stuff like that? Did your, did your mom have you do a lot of those when you were growing up? We don't have – well, I guess we have a little bit of that in Sweden, but not much. It's not like a cultural thing we're doing. But a lot of, like, commercials and – because my mom used to work in PR. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's so, what happened. 
So tell me a little bit about the music over there. How different is the music in Sweden compared to what it is here? And did you have any type of uh, learning curve, you know, starting music when you were over here? I would say the music is pretty similar because everyone from Sweden is eventually coming to Los Angeles or to America to continue with their music. So it's pretty similar, but the market is not as big in Sweden as it is in America. So it was convenient to, to do it over here, for sure. So is that why you decided to come over here and, and pursue the music career? Um, well, I came actually for the acting first because I was studying at Lee Strasberg Institute. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did a lot of theater and film here. And then Skylar found me and was like, am I going to do music? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and we started to work together. So it was pretty randomly I got into music. But I've been singing my whole life, um, but not professionally. Until now, then. So you got to sing on stage and in, in movies and stuff like that, I'm sure. I did some musicals back home, but I haven't really seen in, in movies, actually. Just acting. Just acting. Just act. <laughs> yeah. But that kind of makes you a triple threat, then, you know, when you really think about it. I mean, sometimes if people are looking for roles where you're able to sing in, and a lot of people can't sing, but they can act. So, I mean, this, this kind of gives you a little bit of a, a one-up on everybody. I guess. <laughs> I guess you have to do everything. I mean, it's a plus if you can do everything to to just stand out and get parts and get work. Right. Kind of do everything. So how has it been? Has it has it been? Uh, are you still able to find uh, like um, acting jobs and stuff like that? Has it been plentiful for you, or are you just kind of you know stri- strictly sticking to your uh, music? Well, I actually just have time for the music right now. We're working hard and we're working a lot, so I don't really have time for anything else. I still do modeling. Uh, I do more modeling than acting right now. Mm-hmm. This is less, taking up less time. But I still, still love doing acting, so if some gig come across, I would love to just do it. Well, you're, definitely, it's still a you're definitely in the right spot for it, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if you can see the Hollywood sign from here, but the Hollywood sign is right behind me. Really? Maybe it's behind the house. Yeah, live like in the middle of Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about this uh, the CD that you're working on now. And you, like we said, we, we we're we're going to be uh, playing "Move Me" here in a little bit. What's your CD that you're working on all about? What's what's the feel about? What's the theme of it? I would say um, the power woman, <laughs> empowering women. I would say it's it's very like dancey, super pop. A little edgy. Um, yeah, you think Madonna, think Lady Gaga, that kind of vibe. Like if you mix them two and then Kennedy. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Well, I've heard a lot of the songs and they're pretty impressive. I, I was really impressed with your, with your voice. Um, <clears throat> when you, Did you write any of these particular songs or are, these, are you collaborating with people that are writing songs for you? I'm collaborating, but I'm also co-writing as much as I can. What kind of experience so was, has that been for you? I will, it's great. I always enjoyed writing, and now I'm finally getting like a like a how to, to explain it. I'm finally getting sufficient on it <laughs> because that's the word I'm looking for. I've been like I've been writing for long, more poems and and uh, screen and screenwriting and stuff, but never really wrote songs, and now I'm kind of getting it. And it's, it's great. I like it. I like it a lot. 
what's it be, what's been the hardest part for you? Has it been the actual words or has it been the melody that that gives you the the biggest trouble when you're first learning? I would say it's hard to find because you kind of have an idea in your head what you want the song to be about and what kind of words you want to use. Mm-hmm. But so I would say the melody was the hardest for me to connect with the words that I wanted to say. Did you play instruments okay. or anything like that to help you out, like you know, musically? I used to play a little bit of piano, but I never really learned like chords and stuff. I just like learned songs. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just playing. But I just I was just listening more and just you know got taught by the pros, so that's how I learned and got better. So when your second album comes out, you're going to probably have a lot more experience with this. So is it, do you think it's going to be easier next time when you when you come out and and write something else in the near future here? Let's see if it's cutting off. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, now I can hear you. Okay. Um, so now that you've now that you've been learning here, you, you're obviously growing your base, which is good. You gotta you gotta have that learning base. What um, do you think it's going to be easier writing the second album and more songs coming out? I mean, have you learned what have you learned from this to, to make a good song? Um, I would say I've been thinking about what I want to communicate with my songs, mm-hmm. and also I'm thinking I'm a kind of visualized person, so I like to visualize what I'm like kind of the music video or what I'm seeing in the song before I actually get down to write it. And I found that technique during writing this album, writing this EP. So I'm think my next EP and now my next album is going to be much better because now I know the technique and know what's working for me. And what type of, uh, what type of, um, what type of things do you hope that people will be able to take away from your music when they when they're listening to it? I hope they can relate to what the music is about, and I hope everyone to dance. That's the whole point. <laughs> I want everyone to have a good time and just be able to dance to it and vibe with it. What type of what type of uh, what type of feedback have you received from any of the songs that you put out already? Um. I get dope <laughs> a lot. <laughs> uh, no, but everyone is just like, wow, this is cool. You know, everyone is starting to dance and like vibe with it. So, so far, so good. People seem to like it. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to show the rest of the world. Has anybody come to you and said, wow, that song really touches me and tell you a story behind it or anything that, that it touches them? And if so, is that something you'd be able to share, like a quick little story of some of the th- interactions you've had? Uh, I had, it was actually, we wrote a ballad the other day, me and a new songwriter, and this ballad is really from, from my heart, you know, it's very intimate, and it's really, it's really me, and to write that song, we have to go to a really emotional place, so we just completely open up for each other, we just cried a little bit, and then we got into writing, and the song just came out amazing, and so I hope Everyone else will feel that too. So, how many more songs do you have to go before you're, you're going to have this album ready? I think I have two to go, two more left, and we already wrote them, so we're just going to record them now. Now, are you signed, or are you kind of doing this like on the indie projects, like uh, some people are doing nowadays? So, I'm working with uh, Skylar Likes, 
and we'll see, uh, I think Universal will distri distribute, or if they can decide. We're, we're not sure yet. We'll see. We'll take play by air. Are you currently doing any live gigs that, while you're while you're writing this album, or are you pretty much just in in the studio, going to the grind and going to go out and tour once you have the thing done? Yeah, that's kind of what's happening right now. I'm just in the studio, we're writing, we getting everything together, and then I'm gonna start live performing and go touring, doing everything. You know, when I do when I do any type of artwork or anything that I, that I do creatively, I always want to get it right on the computer and share it with the world right away. And sometimes <laughs> I got to hold myself back because you know it's like you got to you got to build it up a little bit. You can't just like bam, there it goes. What, oh have yeah. You, have you been doing the same thing? Has it been eating at you that you just want to get it out there and say something? Oh yes. Like every time we come up with a new song and we're recording it and we mix it, I'm like, oh, can I just release it? Can I just give it out? It's like no, no. You have to hold on to it a little bit. Complete your EP. I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> you know, because I'm getting so excited about the work, and I just want to show it to everybody. So it's hard to hold it. Actually, it's really hard. You know, I know growing up in the '80s and '90s and stuff like that. Some, one of the biggest things to come out of music was music videos, and MTV did a lot. You know, VH1 did a lot. But it seems like they're they're still important, but they're not as looked upon as they used to. But I remember that. We would always see the the music video before the single would drop, and it would be like maybe three months before the single would drop to tease you a little bit. Are you going to be planning on any uh, type of music video or anything like that for any of these particular songs? And are you currently working on it? Mm hmm. Yeah, we're gonna drop. Uh, we're gonna make a music video for the first single, which we haven't really decided which one it's gonna be just yet. Uh, but I think we're gonna drop the music video at the same time we're dropping the the song. But I'm not really sure yet. Let's see. I have to plan it out with my team. <laughs> now, do you get any any bit of say in in what the video is going to look like, or is it, you going to just leave it up to somebody else and just show up and perform? No, I have a lot to say as well. You know, I love to be in the creative process, and we have an open discussion. Of, you know, they have like this is what we want, and I'm like this is what I want, and we try to combine it and and you know get the best out of it. So I have a big part of it, and, and I love that. I like I like the videos that seem to tell a little bit of a story behind them. I mean, everybody just gets out there now, and they're dancing in front of these big illuminated uh, backdrops and all these stages and stuff like that. But And those are really cool. But I like ones that tell a story. Are you going to plan on telling a story with yours? I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure, especially for the ballad. I'm probably going to tell a story. Uh, and for Move Me, if you do a music video for that, I'm not, I'm not really sure what we're going to do with that just yet. Hmm. I'm just not sure, but I like telling stories. I mean, I'm an actress, so I'm all about stories. <laughs> awesome. So what's, what's the time frame that you're kind of looking at before the release will come, come about? Oh, I'm actually not sure. I think this summer already. Oh, so it's really coming up pretty quick then. Yeah, it's coming up for sure. Well, uh, we got about two minutes left, so is there anything that you want to tell your fans out there or promote uh, your websites or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, everybody can go follow me on Instagram because I'm, I'm updating my Insta story all the time from behind the scenes and from the studios. It can be fun to stick around and see what I'm doing. So my Instagram name is Kennedy Official. So go follow me there and you see what I'm up to. 
All right, Kennedy. Well, we're going to play your song here. I want to be able to get that in before the segment's done. So we're going to be listening to Move Me right now. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Go on there and tell her what you think about it, because I know she's going to want to hear some feedback, too. And thank you for being a great guest here. I had a great time with you, and hopefully you'll be able to see this uh, album out really soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. You're welcome. All right, guys, we're going to go listen to the song. We'll be right back after this. Just tell me that I am supposed to know what you're thinking. But I can't read your mind. I already started drinking. Oh, baby, when I put your hands on me, you started feeling in a different way. And even though I don't know what you say, I really wish you wouldn't end this way. Jason Dowd of Imagination Art Studios is proud to announce the release of his steampunk collection, which is currently on tour across the country. There you will see beautiful handmade masks from Venice, Italy that accentuate beautiful women to create amazing stories and feelings to those who visit the collection. Each photo series has a theme, mask, authentic props, and beautifully elaborate outfits, all collaborated in the mind of Jason Dowd to create the right emotion and feeling. The masks come from a shop at Epcot at the Italian Pavilion, where all these photos are on display for you to see. This is one of the biggest accomplishments of his career having his work at Disney. Come see the beautiful first release of the series, which includes Distressed Dancer, Spanish Serenade, The Pied Piper, and Reaching for the Czars. You can see them in person or online at www.imaginationartstudios.com. 
For more information, visit the website. Again, it's imaginationartstudios.com. Our Facebook is Imagination Art Studios. Twitter is at Dow Studios. And Instagram is at Jason Dow. Come and be mesmerized by the masks and the stories behind them. Hi, this is Serena Palmer from Radio Rebel, and you're listening to the AME Radio Show. All right, guys, we are back, and I'm going to be talking to you right now about Pandora. I got to experience Pandora this weekend with my wife when we went to Disney's Animal Kingdom, and we got fast passes, which were actually given to us by the media department of Disney. And I wanted to give you guys an up-close and personal experience on this thing. I didn't want to just read about it, and I'm going to give you some stuff that I'm reading to kind of give you an idea of what it's all about, but I wanted to give you my personal experience. I wanted to give it to you because I could honestly give you a good review if I if I got to experience it. Now, what I didn't know beforehand, I'm going to kind of go over this really quick. They do have fast passes, but the fast passes are so are booking out so fast that you have to get on there as fast as you can. Now, a normal person, unless you're um, going to be staying at one of the hotels, can only do it for 30 days in advance. So, if you plan on going April, uh, let's say August 28th, plan to be on that app on July 28th early in the morning and book it because I'll tell you what, this is going to go fast. Average wait times are going between 120 to 195 minutes long. That's almost four hours if you if you really c- calculate it. There are also two rides. Now, the two rides are, and I'm going to go over them here one by one. The first one is the Avatar Flight of Passage. And then the second one is the Navi River Journey. Now, I did know that there were two rides, but I thought they were connected. So, like, when you get off, when, I thought when you got off of the Flight of Passage and you went to the Navi River Journey. That's not the case. When you're done with one, you got to get off the ride like you normally would any other ride and go to the other one. Now, the Navi River Journey is about 50 to 75 minutes. I saw it as much as 100 minutes, but that was pretty rare. I've been kind of keeping tabs on it. So, that's probably the easiest to do. But you want to do the Avatar Flight of Passage first, and I'll tell you why in just a second. Now, when I got in this thing, the whole area, it's, it's basically they made it like a whole other continent and in, in Disney's Animal Kingdom, and it is phenomenal. Let's just start out with some of the, the mountains. The iconic floating mountains in the Valley of Moara, there are 22, and the peak is about 130 above the valley floor. So when you're looking up at there, it's 130 feet tall. Just floating up there. It's amazing. I don't know how they did it. The sharp-eyed adventurers will see the Pandorian sting bats nesting in the mountains. Despite their lethal tail spines, these animals can be summoned by the Navi with clicking sounds made between the tongue and teeth. There's a team of more than 60 artisans from U.S., Peru, France, Portugal, Japan, and Ireland that contributed to the arts, uh, the artscape of these floating mountains. The floating mountains, guys, were phenomenal. And you can hear the animals up in the mountains. You can hear them when you walk into the, into the atmosphere. Let's continue with the landscape with some more facts that, that was put out by Walt Disney. Um, and the landscape glows and hums. Yes, it does. It wouldn't be an alien planet without bizarre plant life. On Pandora, a diverse ecosystem is rebalancing the variety of color plant, colorful plant life that flourishes there. 
Plants have names like puffball tree, the poppet, vein pod, scorpion thistle, episoth, and and flasca reclina. I don't know how you pronounce that, but it's that's pretty intense. Humans wrapping on the flasca reclinia caused a large alien plant to pollinate by releasing spores into the environment with its wide base tampering to a narrow top. The flasca reclinia is found just past the old RDA bridge. That's true. Many plants are bioluminescent with internal lighting material that makes them glow. Plants are interactive. Guests can see, sense, and the energy of the plants that moves in the waves. Pandora plays to a surreal soundtrack, said Matt uh, Byler, WDI producer. For the land to feel like a real jungle from another planet, we don't have traditional background music in Pandora. We have a soundscape designed to make it feel as though you are in an alien jungle. We hear the vocalization patterns like mating calls and hunting moments, and this makes it feel real. With those moments happening, the lighting ties into the waves of energy, and it gives us the connectiveness to nature. Now, where the water flows, there, is, there are a lot of, flowing, of waterfalls in this place. It's gorgeous. At the center of Pandora is a Ripian area where waterfalls cascade from the mountaintops into the gentle pools and streams. One stream follows a peaceful path along the entry to Pandora. The other flows into the Navi River journey where guests board need where guests board and need boats for an excursion to see the river shaman shaman of songs. The looming mountains are arid and guests will hear different animal vocalizations from these areas. I'll tell you guys that's just a little bit about it. And it is phenomenal. I was so blown away by all the views. I didn't know which way to look. Do you look up? Do you look down? Do you look to the side, left, right? Where do you look? It doesn't matter where you look because there's so many amazing things to see. It's a photographer's paradise. Now, the particular ride, the Flight of Passage, this honestly is just like soaring, only 10 times better. You load up what looks like a motorcycle, this little strap comes around and you push up against this padding that goes around your, the front of you. Then pads go to your legs and then a pad comes to your back. And it makes you feel like you are actually on the banshees. You can feel them breathe. You can feel the, the wings go up and down. You can get the feel of the wind in your face. You get water in your face. You get, a, you get attacked by banshees and you get to fly through this incredible world that you saw right outside with your own very eyes. You, it is a it is a 3D glasses experience. So if you're not if you don't take those very well, or if you have an extreme amount of um, motion sickness, don't ride this ride. And if you're a little claustrophobic because it does pinch you, it does put pressure on you, so you can feel all these things to make it a true 4D experience. You may not want to ride it either. But it is one of the most intense graphic rides I have ever experienced in my life. Disney completely outdid themselves with this. I am, I'm still speechless. I don't even know how, really how to say it other than it's 11 out of 10 stars. Um, I will definitely go back again. And honestly, it is worth the wait, but I, would, I, I couldn't sit there for 195 minutes. So if you want to get there, get to the park early and go directly there. But bring water because it's very hot in the summertime. Most of the line is waiting outside. So keep hydrated. I'll tell you, that's very important. Then after we did that, we went into the Navi River Journey. Now, the reason I said to do the Navi River Journey second is because you actually experience the Navi River Journey through the Flight of Passage. 
you get to go into this particular cave. You get to see all the all the the bugs and the and the the animals and the plant life and as it glows. And then you take off, and then you end up fighting a banshee. So, if you want to see what it's kind of like, you want to see it here first. Then go experience it in the in the real time when you're on this boat. It's cool. You get to see all the beautiful bioluminescent stuff that goes out there. The animals, definitely worth the time to do that second. Now, this particular ride does not have as long of a wait time. I saw it between 50 to 70 minutes when I was there on a Sunday, but I have seen it as much as 90 to 100 minutes. So I'm not so worried about that particular ride. But if you want to ride both of them and you don't have a fast pass, you could wait the entire day just to experience those two rides just letting you know that so if you can get a a a fast pass please jump on that now guys like i said i give this ride a 10 11 out of 10 stars it is something you have to experience if you go to the disney kingdoms now honestly there are four kingdoms there's the magic kingdom there's the epcot there is hollywood studios and animal kingdom but if you get a chance and you can only pick two absolutely choose this particular experience and go try it out. You will not regret it. It puts soaring at Epcot to shame. Now, Epcot's soaring is amazing, but this is five times more intense. So that's my review. You got a little bit of a little bit of information about this, and I'll try to put some stuff up on the website for you to, to be able to go out and check it out and enjoy it as well. And I did get to put this on television, so you're going to see my entire day on the upcoming AME television show, which will take you through this. Now, I was not able to go through the uh, Flight of Passage and record that because it's 3D. You wouldn't understand it. It just wouldn't make sense. But I did get the Navi River Journey, and I got some other things that I think you guys will enjoy, too, throughout the day. That's coming up, so go check that out on the amemagazine.com forward slash television and see that there. All right, guys, that's all I have right now. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we got Ted McGrath, so don't go anywhere. Hi, I'm internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd, and I released one of my most profound photographic collections to date, my 3D collection. Since 2009, I've looked for ways to bring my art to life in ways that would amaze my audience. After a rare malfunction at Disney, I realized that 3D was the way to go. Now the series can be seen in galleries all the way across the United States. If you want to see this collection, contact my studio, Imagination Art Studios, by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com and ask how. While you're there, check out my award-winning Dreams, Nightmares, Fears, and Fantasy collection, as well as my Morbid Sensations collection. Again, that's www.imaginationartstudios.com. Hey, this is Jen Lilly from Days of Our Lives, and you're listening to AME Radio Show. Welcome back, everybody. I have on the line with me a special guest. His name is Ted McGrath, and he is the star of a new movie called Good Enough. Now, Good Enough is a true and triumphant journey that chronicles the life of a young man who doesn't believe in himself. Struck down by childhood shames and loss, he turns to drugs and alcohol. He searches for money and power to mask his wounds. And can he change? Can people actually change? Well, we're going to find out. Welcome to the show. Uh, Ted, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Fantastic. So, this is a real life story. Um, obviously, it probably has some type of some type of uh, connection to you. Is this story about you? 
Yes, it is. So it's a, it's my life story, and it's actually a uh, it's a one man theater show that I put together, and I play about twelve characters on stage. Wow! For about seventy one minutes doing the show, and it's called Good Enough because it's my journey in life, as you heard in the beginning, of uh, you know not feeling good enough and having all these challenges getting in the way of me truly finding out who I am and and finding my true purpose and dreams on this planet. So what made you stop believing in yourself at a young age? Because usually that's usually when we when we really do believe in ourselves, you know, because we we believe that the world, you know, owes us stuff or or that, you know, we're invincible or all these other types of scenarios that we run into and it's not really until like later in life when we start to, you know, doubt ourselves. So what made you stop believing in yourself? Well, it's a good question. So like to watch the show, you get the whole answer, but I'll give a, a sneak peek of it so I don't give it away. In the early part of the show and in my life story, my, when my parents get divorced at six, something happens there that's kind of radical and I don't want to give it away. But yeah, I, I create, you know, I, I start to feel like I'm not loved and I'm not good enough and everything then becomes about, you know, covering up the pain and feeling like if I go achieve in my life that, you know, somehow, you know, I'll fill the void inside of me. So I go out and I become a, a little achiever at, uh, you know, a young age and I get into, and I have some things that happen as a young age. I have some sexual experiences with, a, with an older, you know, a, a girl that's much older than me when I'm a young boy and even one with a, with a young boy. So I'm like really confused as a young kid around sex. I have this whole experience with my parents at a young age. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a heavy, um, heavy thing that happens, but we make it funny. So we make it light. Um, we, we bring comedy about it, but it has, the, it has the true message still in there. And then when I'm in the professional world at 21 years old, I'm like, okay, if I make money, I'll get approval. So I start with this insurance company called New York Life. And my first year, my boss, like, he believes in me. And he's like, you're going to crack six figures. And for me, it wasn't about the money. It was about his approval. And I put my head down and I cracked six figures and, and, and a year later I overdosed from, you know, drugs and alcohol the night I cracked six figures and almost died. Wow. And so it's, it's this then journey of like what's going to happen to me as the character. And so there's this whole journey of kind of redemption, but I keep sabotaging myself on my dream. So while I take one step forward, I then take one step back and it's, and it's a cool story because, you know, there's a lot of funny characters in there. There's a lot of big moments. Like, there's, there's moments where I got this opportunity to do things with Deepak Chopra and Donna Karen on stage. And, and like, I, am, am I going to pull it off? Am I going to blow it? Um, am I going to sabotage my dreams? And, um, yeah, and so ultimately it's this whole journey is, like, will his purpose and dreams come true? Or will he just, you know, continue to, to screw up his life with drugs and alcohol and sex and feeling he's not good enough? So that's the story. So let's let's take a look at this. You're you're doing your actual life on stage for everybody to see. That's got to be kind of emotional yep. to begin with. Is this more therapy for you or is this more of like a just a tell a story to help change somebody else's life from going down that or is it a little bit of everything? Cuz I mean this has got to be emotional for you. So how do you get over the emotions of of reliving your life and doing it in front of people but also what do you hope to accomplish by putting out the show? That's such a great question. You know, initially, in the beginning, I feel like telling a story for somebody, like their life story, there's an element of it, and there was for me, like, I want to be heard, right? I want my story to be heard. 
the interesting thing was that I went through as I had the dream to go do this one man show because I wasn't an actor before three and a half years ago, and I had always suppressed that creative side, even though I had it when I was a kid, and I was more like the linear side. I'll do financial stuff. I'll make money. And so when I went to go tell the story, I had been going through a lot of different, you know, processing and things that helped me just really get rid of the emotional charge around, you know, the things that happen as a kid, things with my family. And so for me, as I started telling the story, uh, before I told it, I had really deep conversations with my family, with my mom, with my dad, with my brother. So, so much of it was resolved before I actually got up on stage and started telling the story that the story for me wasn't a therapeutic journey um, as I got to telling it. The building up to telling it was the therapeutic journey. journey. Once I started getting on stage, it was cool because um, I could get up there and share these things about, like, you know, rubbing my penis with another boy at nine years old and, and these things that so many people do, whether it's that or something else sexually that's weird. And people would come up after the show and go, oh, my God, like, I those things that you talked about, they happened to me too. I, I ran into stuff like that in the different version, but it was funny because, you know, people keep these secrets that they think are like a really big deal. And, you know, some of this stuff just happens and it frees people to be able to communicate on it. So some people would stand at the end of the show and go, oh my God, I can't believe like you shared this and I want to share this. And it became this kind of um, uh, great show that was funny, entertaining, but it brought together a community of people that, you know, started sharing um, and just feeling more open to be able to transform their lives. And then, of course, there was stuff in there, too, that was very uplifting about, like, you know, finding your voice and finding out who you are and, and like, going after your dreams. So there was cool stuff like that where other people that didn't have incidents in childhood that were like that were like, well, I should go after my dreams. I should go after my purpose. So in the beginning, to answer your question, it was a little bit therapeutic. Um, as I launched the show, it was more uh, transformational for other people, and that's still what it is for me. It's a way for me to um, experience my art and do what I love, and most importantly, have a show that has a real message, makes a real impact, and is a hell of a lot of fun. You know, thinking what you just were saying here, and it's pretty, it's pretty impactful, is that I hear every day that people have had some pretty terrible things happen to them, sometimes at a young age, sometimes mid-adult and they go on these on these crime sprees, or they they just they they don't manage their money well. They get on in all these situations that bring them down to the ground. And the first thing that they do is they blame their childhood, maybe where they lived, maybe the things that happened to them, and they blame all that for their downfall. However, that can keep you down if you can't mentally overcome it. But I don't believe that that's what really keeps us down, I think what keeps us down is our, is our choices. Being, having some things happen to you that shocked you when you were, when you were young and then it you know, kind of brought you into the spot, but now you've, you've really come to kind of overcome all that. What's your take on something like that? Do, can we completely blame everything that's happened to us in our life that keep us from being successful in the future? That's a great point. I think we can't blame anybody for it. I think we're 100% cause over our own lives and we make our choices, as you say. So for me, the, the big journey and people have to come see the show, it's, you know, it's, it's, it, there is a realization there, like, I created this. And, yeah, there's other people who are responsible for certain things, but ultimately I'm responsible for the meanings I give to things, for how I go with my life after that, for how I want to, you know, whether I'm going to go after what I want in my, my life or whether I'm not. And if I go after what I want, then, of course, I'm responsible for it. If I don't, I'm still responsible for it. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's that's one of the beautiful things about the about the show. It has that positive message where people walk away taking responsibility. They don't take away a message of blame at all, which is great, you know. And and for me, it was just you know being able to go through such a journey in my life. You know, today I I also have a business aside from my theater career. I have a business called Message to Millions, and I teach people how to take their their life story and their message for their business. And then, you know, how to package that into their business in a way that really represents who they are. And then I teach them really incredible marketing strategies to get their message out to millions of people online and across the world. So I have a, you know, I I love what I do. I help people every day in my life. I have clients in over 80 different countries and I've built a thriving business. I've never had a better relationship in my life with my family members and everybody in my life. And I have a beautiful relationship with my my girlfriend, which is the thing that I've always wanted in my life, was to have a beautiful relationship with somebody that I care about and love and that I'm going to marry. So for me, it's, you know, I'm standing there as a message of hope, not standing there as a message of perfection by any means, uh, standing there going, hey, here's a lot of the flaws that I have. You can look at my life now and go, wow, look at this guy, but here's the truth of what it took to get here and what I went through. Mm. You know, I got asked a question one time, and I told people what I do and, I, and how much money I make, and I don't make a lot of money. I'm an artist. You know, I've been, I've been an artist my entire life. And they said, well, how can you consider yourself successful because you don't have a lot of money, and you have to be really tight with your budget. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you know what? I got a wife. I got, a, uh, I got three dogs that I love. I have a job that I love to do. I get to do what I love to do. Maybe it doesn't bring me a lot of money. But to me, that's pretty successful for what I've been able to do. And I guess every, I, I, it made me sit back and, and think to myself, everybody has a different, I would think, has every, everybody has a different interpretation of what success is. But on the other hand, some people just believe that it's strictly money, and if you don't have a lot of money at the end of the day, you're not successful. What's your mm-hmm. take on something like that? No, I think that is like you know, one of the, the worst bill of goods that's been sold to people that, you know, getting there will make them happy because, you know, I, I've been there and I made a lot of money when early in my 20s and I also, I make way more money now than I used to in my 20s. And, but I have the the fuel of doing the thing that I love and serving people and making a difference in people's lives. So the fact that I get paid well to do that is a great bonus and I love it. And I don't think that money is a yardstick for success. I think that if people truly love what they do, which is why I I value artists so much in the world, uh, including myself being an artist, because I I feel like our creative expression lights up the world. It's like you can have a moment with an artist, something they say or communicate or something they express or a show that they do or a film that they do or, or whatever they put out there in the world. And that's the stuff that inspires people and lights up the world. And I feel like we need more of that. To me, if somebody's doing what they love and they're happy and they're impacting people's lives, that's the measure. You know, as an artist, I think one of the scariest things that I've ever had to do in my life was go do a show. And a lot of the stuff that I, I have tells stories. But sometimes the stories are not as bam in your face. You know, it looks like it's something, but it really means something else. And sometimes I put a lot of, a lot of spiritual stuff in, in what I do. And when I went out to the, the show for the first time, I, I completely made myself vulnerable, obviously, because I'm there, and I'm going to be listening to people tear me apart and build me up at the same time. And sometimes 
it's hard to deal with the first part when people tear you down and people attack you and they judge you and and you know because everybody's artwork no matter what it may be it is an expression of you it's an extension of you and sometimes we take that personally so coming from a, a situation where you're a businessman and now you're trying to do your you're your acting in your own play and obviously you're playing a lot of characters you're telling your story about yourself so you're really you are probably one of the most vulnerable people in the in the artist field right now because you're te- telling a story that's very sensitive to you how did you prepare for somebody saying that is the craziest thing i've ever heard this guy's nuts or building you up on the other end i mean how do you how do you take how, how did you mentally prepare for that <laughs> that's such a good question man i mean First off, like when I saw a guy do one, a one-man show three and a half years ago, and I knew as a kid like I had a talent to go do it, but I didn't believe in myself, and it wasn't even in my realm. Like I didn't live in the world of people who act. I was a kid from New Jersey, and so when I came out here to San Diego, and then I had this dream of coming to Los Angeles, and I saw somebody do a one-man show, I was so inspired because I'd been to Broadway, and I, I've seen people do plays, and... And this guy was doing his, his one-man show, and I was so damn inspired by it that I was like, I'm going to do that. And, you know, it's kind of like, I, for me, I was disillusioned <laughs> maybe by my own art because uh, I just wanted to go do it, and I tried it. Like, I went out because I have, a, you know, I have an audience of people in my seminars that I lead. So I went out my first time in front of, like, 100 people without any coaching, without anything. I just saw it. I was like, I'm going to try something like that. And the first time ever, it was like a fish flopping around out of water. It was ugly as hell. And it was so funny because, like, for me, I was like, wow, that felt good. That was fun, you know? And I think part of the way I didn't realize how bad I was for a while, and, and maybe that was a positive part, but I did run into some people that, you know, you know, one guy I ran into recently, like three, you know, three years later, and I ran into him at an event recently, like a month ago, and he's like, yeah, I came to one of the first versions of your show, and he gave me a negative comment about it. And I was like, and I took it in, and I go, and, and I go, you know, you should come check out the new version, because I really worked hard at this, and this is my art, and I love it. And it was a cool thing, because, like, I didn't get upset with the guy or anything, and when, you, when somebody makes a, a negative comment that you can tell is a little bit t- distasteful, like, they're the ones who feel bad about it afterwards. So when I heard it, I was like, wow, I, you know, I want, I want him to come see the new show. If you want to come, come check it out. And so, you know, the negative things you get, I think uh, you just, like, for me, I do my best to, like, to just stay close to my truth and go, what is my truth? And then it's been cool because I've pulled in some really amazing people. Like one of my friends, who's a dear friend of mine, he's, his name's James Barber. He's the Phantom in the Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. And he reached out to me because he saw like what I do with my message and my business of helping people get their messages out. And we connected, and he and I have developed a, an amazing friendship over the last year. And he's been so gracious to introduce me to great people. So it's great when you have somebody like him who clearly sees my work in the beginning. It's like, this is nowhere near the standard of what he does, but he still believes in me as a person and he's supportive. So it's nice to have, you know, good friends and good people that, that support you on the journey as well. It absolutely is. And, you know, people don't understand the the constitution it takes for a, an artist themselves when they put out any type of work because the ones that have the weaker constitution they get one or two really bad, you know, criticisms, and they and they give it all up, and then you then you have the woulda coulda shoulda, uh, what if, 
And that's probably one of the biggest failures that you can have is the regrets. And it's, it's people like you that took the bad, try to change it for a good, and you're making something of yourself and you're still doing what you love and you're not letting it distract you. And, you know, there are people that absolutely love Rembrandt and there are people that can't stand him. And he's considered a master. Right. So, you know, it, it, it's got to, people that are in these art forms, they've got to realize that you're never going to be able to please everybody. So all you've got to do is just please yourself and then everything else will fall into place. Yes. Well said, man. I love it. And, you know, the, the, well, I'll tell everybody, this is very embarrassing, but I was at one of my shows and the guy took off and we became friends and he was a complete backstabber. And I heard through the grapevine because the guy sent me an email because he, he asked this guy if, if there's anybody that could help him do some photography work for his book. And he said, I wouldn't have him do anything for me because of the fact that his artwork is no better than a one-year-old. A one-year-old could do better with their feet. And I was like, wow, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty harsh, man. But uh -huh. I didn't, you know, I just said, you know what, I think what hurt the worst about that was that I considered him a friend. And he didn't yeah. even have the ability, he was talking to me up and how, and how, you know, he likes my stuff. And then he went and, you know, hit me behind the back to somebody else. And these are the things you just deal with. And I think it's, it, I think that anybody that gets into it has got to expect that. But also take the negative and turn it into a positive. Totally. What what was your show? What's the show? It was just an it was an art, it was a photog uh, photographic art show, and what I was doing oh, was cool. a lot of stuff that had a little had a, had a had a dark side to it. It was a very like um, I love horror because there's so many things that you can do with it. You know, you, the costumes, the makeup, everything. There's just so many things that, that that can be done about it, and you can create some amazing things that chill people. But every piece that I put out there has a, a dark, grueling looking picture, but the story behind it was amazing and um, one of my friends had committed suicide in 2006 and I had this woulda coulda shoulda atmosphere I completely gave up on everything because I'm like I was a terrible friend I let him I, I, I should have been able to stop this and I had this this vision of, of that popped in my head and it was somebody laying over a tombstone and the spirit of that person comforting them by putting their hand on their shoulder and they're like well this is death this is this is terrible things that are that are happening I can't believe that you even put this picture out there and it, this was my dream, and I said, you know what? How can you be dead and alive at the same time? You can't. What the, what the spirit is is a symbol of the past. The past is healthy. It's happy. You have that. Nothing can ever take it from you. But if you continue to sit there and take your future and try to mourn over the past, you're never going to get anywhere in life. And therefore, if you look back and look past the sadness and look at all the things that you've done and all the things that you've accomplished and all your, your dreams and memories, they're happy and you can take you into the future. And that's the lesson I learned from my friend passing away. I couldn't change anything, but I have the, the memories of him and us growing up and doing the things that we did together. And that keeps me going for a better future. And I know someday that's I'll awesome. see him again, you know. Yeah. But they didn't realize that when they saw the picture. So they were quick to judge. And, um, totally. and that was what, and that's what I like to do sometimes. I like to create a conversation. I love it, man. I think that's awesome. So, um, obviously I heard that your new, that your, your show is debuting here in the next couple of weeks. Um, actually I think it's the 12th of this month. Tell everybody where they could see it and how can they find out more about you and see some of these shows that you have to put on? Yeah. So the show is on the 13th at 7.30 p.m., So, and 
you can go to um, you can just go to tedmcgrathbrands.com. So if you go to Ted McGrath, Ted, T-E-D-M-C-G-R-A-T-H, Brands, B-R-A-D-N-S.com, and you'll see um, on there, you know, the, on the page, you'll see uh, information about Good Enough. You can just click on it, and then it'll take you to um, a place with the information and the address of it. It's here in Los Angeles, and it's, uh, you know, you can go to the website, and you can go check it out, and uh, feel free to come join us. Well, Ted, I got to say that you're an extremely brave person putting out there a very sensitive part of your life, and I hope that your story will change people for the better, and I hope that if somebody's going down some path that they may feel a little insecure with or whatever it may be, that they, that they see this and it changes their life and maybe realize that you know, it's not so bad. Anybody can, can change if they put their mind to it and use you as an example and an inspiration to do so. And I, I hope that your show is a huge success, and I can't wait to see what you have coming up in the future. Uh, thanks so much. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it, and it's been, uh, it's been so much fun performing it up until this point, and I'm looking forward to uh, this next performance. And uh, we, are just, uh, we are out of time, unfortunately, and I've had such a great time talking to you. So, again, thank you, and hopefully we'll have you on soon for, more, uh, some, for some more shows that you have coming up. Absolutely. Thanks so much. You're welcome. All right, guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more. So stay tuned. Do you love horror, the strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird. (laughs) Hey everybody, this is Jay Underwood from uh, the original Fantastic Four, Roger Corman's uh, early 90s production, and now the uh, documentary Doomed, and you are listening to the AME Radio Show. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. It is the time to close it out already. We've got about two minutes left. I hope you enjoyed our day together. I know our guests love talking to you, and I hope that they've inspired you to go out there and try something new yourself or check out what they have going on. You know what? Do both. That's what's great about this particular world is that we get to try new things, experience new things, and learn from others. And we're not limited to what we can do unless you decide to limit yourself. Okay, so I want to invite you guys back to join us next week. Now, here's the schedule that we have. We are on every Friday at 7 a.m. on AMFM247 Broadcasting Network, which is found at amfm247.com, and it's also on their nine AMFM stations across the United States. You can also find us there at, at Saturday at 5 o'clock, which is when you're listening to us right now. You can also find us on WKLAP.com. It's an internet radio station every Friday at 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. You can find us every Saturday at www.radiolove.com. And you'll be in there at, that's at 7 o'clock. And then you can also find us on Art On Demand by going to the little 
uh, white box, type in AME Radio Show, subscribe to us, and get the show in advance. You can also find us on iTunes and our website, which is www.theamemagazine.com. So I encourage everybody to join us again next week, same time, same channel, because we'll be here talking about all kinds of art, music, and entertainment, and we'll talk about some news, and hopefully we'll be we'll have more new guests coming up because I know we got a lot scheduled, and hopefully we'll be able to even play some music for you guys. We got so much stuff coming up, so just keep checking back. You never know what we have to come up next. All right, guys, keep those creative juices flowing. We will see you again next week, same time, same channel. Stay safe, everybody. Good night. That's the end. We're done. Calm down, people. Calm down. Okay? That's it.